Welcome to the Strange Catholics Podcast. I'm your host, Phil, joined as always by Terry in Minnesota with me and Bob in Virginia. We are three distinct voices bringing varied perspectives on the church and the world into the conversation. We want you to join in the conversation. You can do so by going to anchor.fm forward slash strange Catholics and leaving a message there. You may also email us at strangecatholicspod at gmail.com. Please remember to rate this podcast on iTunes or wherever you're listening and share with one person. We used to gather around a table at Caribou Coffee. It's a coffee house in Minnesota in the Midwest. But now we gather virtually in hopes that these conversations will be a light for you as they are for us. Now, let us begin this week's conversation. Welcome to the Strange Catholic Show. Continuing our Lenten, special Lenten series with special guests, tonight we'll have Clem Harold from the St. Paul Center. He's originally from Wilkshire, England. Clement is a graduate of Franciscan University in Steubenville, where he graduated with a triple major in theology, philosophy, and classics, and then a minor in German. We'll be highlighting a book that was released by St. Paul Center, written by Clement, Journey Through Lent, Reflections on the Daily Mass Readings. And again, remember to stay tuned because we'll have that special two-part interview with Jeff Cavins. We hope that you enjoy the presentation and continue this conversation and this transformation during this Lent. Welcome to the Strange Catholic Show. Again, as I mentioned earlier, we're joined by Clem Harold from the St. Paul Center. Uh, he's a junior research fellow at the St. Paul Center. He's originally from Wiltshire, England, if I pronounce that correctly. Uh, he's a graduate from Franciscan University of Steubenville, where he graduated with a triple major in theology, philosophy, and classics, and a minor in German. The, the minor in German is really intriguing to me with my German background, but my German is horrible, so I'm not even <laughs> going to attempt it. Um, we have him on, and we're going to just, you know, we're in the season of Lent, and he has this beautiful book with this um, amazing artwork that you can only see if you subscribe to our YouTube channel, but um, it's called Journey Through Lent. And I kind of thought, what's an, do we really need another Lenten book when I, you know, when I first saw the email and looked kind of through it. But as I've gone through this, I've gone through probably a little over 50% of the entire book and then followed along with the daily mass readings, which is what it's tied into. And there's a, there's a depth that is being pulled out of the readings. So for today, we heard about Jonah and the Ninevites, and then we heard about Jesus, you know, speaking that there's, there's, um, that it's an there's an evil generation, right? And and can we not look at our own generation today and say, well, yes, we are. Please let us repent and turn to Christ again. So I mean, there, there's depth to each one of these writings. And so you know, thank you for this answer to the Holy Spirit to just produce this. It really is a beautiful work because you know, there's so many things we can get stacked up with for Lent, where we just kind of do the same normal kind of thing. And we don't, we sometimes are not willing to just take that dive down into the depths where Christ is really trying to pull out from us, you know, where he is trying to call us. And we just, we just kind of stay surface sometimes. And I think this book 
can really help anyone that's you know kind of having maybe a a vanilla lent where it's not feeling like they're they're diving into anything um this book really i think can afford the opportunity to dive more deeply into the daily mass reading so you're in the readings of the church you're kind of moving with the church through the lenten season and i think it's just a real great gift but take it away clem yeah well thank you i, I don't know what else i need to add i that's <laughs> That's a glowing endorsement. I think I'm going to endanger, <laughs> endanger my reputation from here on out. But uh, no, thank you. That I really, uh, I obviously appreciate that. And yeah, this was, uh, I did, I was asked to write this little book. So this was, this is not something I came up with. I, I didn't expect to, I mean, it's hardly, you know, everyone around me calls it a book. I'm sort of like, well, I see it more as a, a booklet, but yeah. it, it's, it's certainly pocket size, but um I wouldn't have expected to write something like this uh, at my age, but I was asked to do it. And yeah, just very happy to have the opportunity. I enjoy writing and uh, yeah, just really the the concept, like you were saying, you know, it sort of hasn't this been done before? Aren't there a lot of, you know, <laughs> things out there? Um, but actually, I mean, it was funny when I began looking, I, I did not find, maybe I was just not looking hard enough, but I didn't find a whole lot of, books that were really going reading by reading in the way that right. try to hear. Uh, there's mm -hmm. maybe books of reflections for Lent, um, obviously a lot of just spiritual reading in general, but this I think was, you know, is fairly unique, uh, at least, you know, uh, at this point in time. And, and for me, it was just, it was very eye opening. I had, there was a sort of deadline I had to meet to get the book done. And so I like, you know, I tell people this was certainly the fruit of a lot of prayer, a lot of coffee, uh, a lot of sort of <laughs> a little bit of anxiety, but hopefully, yeah, um, you know, I, I do hope it's helpful to people. Well, I would say that size is is the perfect prayer size because you can stuff it in a, you know, in a jacket pocket, you know, for those of us that live here in Minnesota and need the, yes. need the jacket or, you know, back pocket of, of your jeans if you're in a warmer climate. Um, but what I got to really ask here, Clem, is where where would you say the genesis of this book would come from for you? Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a great question, because um, like I say, you know, being asked to write something is very different from coming up with it yourself. And so there was in the initial couple of weeks of trying to discern what I wanted to do with this, there was this question of where do I want to go with it and what do I want to kind of focus on? And I think the, to me, the title of the book, uh, which uh, was actually not chosen by me, but I think, uh, you know, I got my approval and it, to me very much speaks what the book is about journey through Lent. And part of the reason that appeals to me so much and, you know, to me speaks of the, the kind of Genesis for me is that theme of Lent as a journey, I think, uh, is very profound that we have, you know, that Lent is kind of doing a couple of different things that it's, it's, it's harking back to Jesus in the wilderness for 40 days, but then it's also, you know, harking back to the Israelites um, in the wilderness in the desert for 40 years. And in both cases, I think what we're seeing is we're seeing this, this journeying, what I would call a kind of journey of self-discovery that, you have the Israelites for 40 years, basically trying to figure out who they are. <laughs> it's like, 
are we are we the people of God or not? And, and for 40 years, the answer is no, not yet. Um, and eventually they get to the point, their hearts have been softened, they can enter the promised land. And then likewise, Jesus, he's not the same. Obviously, he's not, uh, he's without sin. He's the perfect one. But there's still this sense in which, and we saw this in the first Sunday of Lent, we saw this reading from Luke 4, you know, the, the, the temptations in the wilderness, that Jesus is on this journey, both in the 40 days and then really through the three years of his, of his ministry. He's on this journey of total submission to the Father. And it's, and I think it's okay for us to say that, that you can have, um, you know, that obviously he's perfect, he's, um, he's God, so it's not like he's, uh, you know, growing more perfect, but he still is on this journey. God, the way he's ordained through the incarnation is that Jesus is going to go through life as a human being, and he's going to come deeper and deeper into, um, you know, he's going to draw deeper and deeper to, into the bond with the Father. And so tying that together, it seems to me, for all of us, we're being invited by the church to enter into this journey of self-discovery. That what we're doing during Lent is we're being challenged to forego the things of the world that are holding us back and to come deeper and deeper into ourselves, deeper and deeper into what we were created to be. And that to me is what Lent is kind of is about. And we realize ultimately that it's going to be through the cross. It's at Calvary that we're going to find the answer to that, uh, that we were created you know, to be. Uh, to be Christ-like, we were created to be, um, to give of ourselves uh, and, and to be in the image of the Father. So, yeah, I don't know if that quite answers your question. But that, that's sort of where I, I think for me, where I'm kind of coming from with some of this. So I've read some of your magazine articles or articles that are online, like Crisis Magazine. And I was very taken by a church without purpose. It's very near and dear to my heart. I know all the strange Catholic listeners out there as well as our group here, but especially me and, and the brothers will tell you that I'm a, I discuss a lot, you know, the future of the church internationally, but especially in the West. And you address that in a church without a purpose. So could you just speak a little bit about that article, that work and what the purpose of the church is? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I'm, I'm always surprised <laughs> to find people have read anything I've written. So I'm very flattered um, <laughs> by that. But um, it is, uh, yeah, the, that article uh, really, uh, that came, uh, it was really the result, the culmination of dozens of conversations uh, with my dad. And, you know, he's back home in England. He's been my really, my biggest role model in the faith. And he's the one who's really just time and again, brought it home for me that all the problems we see in the church right now, and they are many, uh, they, they really, I think, what they come down to, what they boil down to is, is an identity crisis. That, that the Catholic church, you know, the bark of St. Peter, is uh, not, in, not in itself, but in many of its you know, institutional sort of um, elements, uh, is, is not sure anymore what it exists for. And... It is, it's an identity crisis and it's a crisis of faith because ultimately many of the people who lead the church and many of the people who attend church no longer really believe in uh, the articles of faith. They no longer believe in the truth of the gospel. And where that becomes a problem is that we, we see in the church, because of this lack of faith, we see a misunderstanding of or a denial of the very mission statement of the church which is, what is it? It's the salvation of souls. It's the glory of God and the salvation of souls. 
And we've seen this now for decades, where in the institutional church, there's this, um, this sort of creeping universalism, there's this widespread belief that either everyone goes to heaven or, or virtually everyone goes to heaven. And the problem with that is that, you know, firstly, it, it directly contradicts uh, every indication that we have from sacred scripture, especially from the words of our Lord. But, you know, secondly, like, it, 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 even more fundamentally, it, it, we, we know it, it means that we no longer know what the church is for, is what I'm trying to say, is, is that, you know, that, that's the title of, of the article, A Church About Purpose, that it, it undercuts the very meaning and value of the church. And so that's what I was trying to lay out in that article. And to me, it's like it, it's bizarre that we're not talking about this more in the church uh, because, it, you know, this is there is no more important issue. Um, so, yeah. And, and I would say it almost like cheapens the gospel message. Right. Yeah. That was kind of reading the article. That was kind of and I don't know if I read that in the article. I hope I'm not stealing your words, but uh, <laughs> something like that where it almost it, not just dilutes it, but makes it um, almost tacky, you know, not like the authentic gospel that that we've been that we've been given from Holy Mother Church, you know, and our apostles. So uh, tying that in, I think a little bit with, you know, I don't remember. I don't think you mentioned this when I was recording. So uh, just that that. Um, how we make those goals uh, maybe at new year's right where we we make these lofty goals for new year's and and you had a great point about that versus how we look at lent uh can you i don't know that it ties in at all with the article it actually probably doesn't but i like the idea of you know you know especially in the western world right we see this new year is this thing i'm gonna do whatever it is and you had a great point on that, and I don't want to steal your thunder. So if you want to speak to that, because I thought that was profound, too. Yeah, no, I, yeah, absolutely. I think the, the the difference between New Year's resolutions and Lenten resolutions, uh, yes. that certainly in my experience, uh, I, I'm one of these people. And I don't think I'm the only one who's, who's never had a whole lot of luck with New Year's resolutions. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I think... Um, yeah, usually for me, it's something fitness related. And, and by mid-February, it's I can't even remember what it was. So um, it's, yeah, it's a little, it's a little, a little depressing. But, uh, but then I was sharing with you, you know, that I have always had a lot more success with Lent, which I'm really grateful for. And, that, and I, I think part of the reason for that, I think there's a couple of reasons, but, you know, I think one of them is that, you know, Holy Mother Church understands us so well. And, yes. you know, an, another example for me with this is always that... Um, just the, uh, you know, the, at least in the, you know, the new, uh, the new right in the divine office, that night prayer is always, it's by far the shortest of the, you know, the different prayers of the day. Yes. It's like, it's like, thank you. Thank you, Mama Church. Like I, you know, I want to go to bed and <laughs> it's, um, you know, I, I, I and I'm it's not... so cyclical too, right? I mean, you, yes, it, you know, I... you, you have the same thing every week, which it does not mean that it, that it drones on or that it becomes so familiar because, even in these very repetitious, you know, it's the same similar psalms every week and you have the same canticle. I mean, same thing to morning and evening, but, you know, it, it's it's very short. It has a, you know, brief examination of conscience. You know, you kind of reconcile your day. You you There's a brief, you know, short hymn. And then you, you go through a, a psalm that you repeat the same day 
Yes. No, you know, so and then then you go into this beautiful responsory and then, you know, the canticle of Zechariah, which I think is beautiful in and of itself. Right. And then, you know, you have a Marian antiphon and you rest. I, yeah. I, I totally agree. But I love what I really love about night prayer is that that it, it it's the same every week. So I know every Wednesday, I know every Thursday, I know every Friday, Sunday. You know, and, um, you know, my kids will even they have probably all of the night prayer readings memorized because it's, awesome. it's these little pieces. Right. And we say them all the time. So they just they can just spout it off, you know, so that that's what I love about night prayer is that it's so succinct, but mm -hmm. it's the same. Yeah. And I think the Holy Spirit can draw anything out of that. Hey, yeah, no, 100 percent. I, I think that that's very well said. And I, I share that love uh, of night prayer. And so I, the reason I bring that up is really just that, you know, I think Lent 40 days uh, and or 46 days, if you include Sundays, uh, you know, a New Year's resolution, 365 days. I, I think the church realizes as human beings, we're not very good at these grandiose commitments. And again, if, if it is about, uh, you know, if, if this is a journey of self-discovery, you know, a lot of the spiritual writers talk about that the first stage in the spiritual life is self-knowledge. And I think that's the mistake that so many of us make so often trying to make new habits and new disciplines at the beginning of the new year is that we, we lack self-knowledge and we think, hey, yeah, I'm going to get up at 5 a.m. every day for the next 365 days. And yes, it, it doesn't work like that. And I think uh, that that is what I like about Lent is like it, it's 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 concrete that you're doing it as a church. You're getting the graces of that. You're being drawn in through the lectionary cycle, which is you know what this is about. And it's it's a manageable period of time that's going to be followed by rejoicing and feasting. Uh, so I, I, there's something I think really beautiful about that. Absolutely, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. I think that um, you know there is a there is a certain while there's that dryness of you know our Lenten journey. There's also great beauty in that as well, kind of similar to you know some what we see, you know, if we'd actually go out to the desert, you know, there, it's, it's a dry barren wasteland, but you know, there is that, you know, those, those beautiful parts of the desert as well. And speaking of beauty, one of the things that I thought, uh, going back to your Lenten reflection book, um, I know we're kind of ping ponging back and forth between various ideas here. Um, you mentioned, in, um, talking about having the three aspects of Lent, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, kind of uh, you, you compared it to uh, getting yourself ready to for a competition as an athlete. Yeah. Could you break that open for us and, and maybe dive a little bit deeper into that for us, Clem? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, you know, I, I give the analogy in the, in the book of, you know, that if I was trying to train for a marathon and I was practicing every day, I was running every day, I was stretching, I was taking my ice baths, getting good training, uh, and yet I wasn't eating well, then I'm not going to, you know, I might, I'm going to get some distance for sure, but I'm going to be severely impeded, severely stunted. And that was the analogy I used for, you know, the relationship between prayer and fasting, that I, you know, I can't just pray. I also need fasting. We know that from the Gospels in Mark chapter nine, you know, where Jesus talks about this particular demon 
who's only going to be driven out by fasting. And then it's later on in the New Testament, it's often enjoined. You guys have to engage in fasting. Breaking that down, I think the connection that I see between the three, you know, these are the three. We have this uh, in the gospel right at the beginning of Lent. Uh, why do we come up with it? You know, is this just the Catholic Church, you know, making things up again? Say, like, no, this this comes from the word. This comes on the lips of our Lord, right? This is, <laughs> this is, uh, Jesus gives us this, like he gives us the rest of the Catholic Church. And so, um, you know, to me, it's prayer is, is the heart. Prayer is the center. What is prayer? It's, it's a relationship with the divine. It, it's an opening up of our heart to God. It's the keystone of the Christian life, uh, and, and, and it's, it's, you know, it's essential. But then I think seeing, sometimes I think we, we fall into the trap of stopping there rather than realizing that true prayer is, gonna, is going to be necessarily fruitful. And I think what fasting and almsgiving give us is they give us the sort of outward manifestations of uh, a life of prayer. And so fasting, I think, is really... This essential, essential practice, which, make no mistake, is really miserable. It, it really stinks, but it is essential. And it's something which we have to do to subdue and discipline our disordered concupiscent desires. And, it's, and, and the church used to get this. We used to, our culture used to get this, that we desperately need this. And it's like, oh, we get rid of this practice. Nobody fasts properly anymore. And then we see corruption in the world. We see corruption in the church. And I think God is probably in his throne room thinking like <laughs> these guys just don't get it. Right. And, and so I think, you know, uh, fasting is difficult. It's arduous. It's hard. And that's what makes it so great. And especially for us as men is like we crave that. We crave that kind of challenge. Uh, but then likewise, you know, almsgiving. What is almsgiving? Well, it seems to me almsgiving is, you know, James in the letter of James is this, this line about, you know, um, be be doers of the word not just hearers of the word and i think again it's like if my prayer is putting me in this kind of theological ivory tower where you know i, I have so much compassion you know from my couch and I, and I have so much kind of um solicitude for those around me and, and i even you know i'm probably you know following michael boris and i'm you know i'm i'm, I'm disturbed about the state of the church and it's like okay great good for you keep praying but now like take action like go and actually prove the veracity of your faith prove that grace is active in your life by giving of yourself pouring yourself out to the most needy the most vulnerable i think sometimes you know those of us who are maybe more of a sort of conservative orthodox bent we have this idea that like um we're so we're so afraid of like the social justice side of the church which i think is is, is a good thing to be to be concerned about but it's like therefore we end up dismissing jesus himself who did say is like when you did it to the least of me, these, you did it to me. Do clothe the naked, do feed the hungry. And so what we need to do is have this, have this real gospel Christianity where we don't dumb down the faith, we don't water it down, but it's also radical. So that's what I would say. You know, those three pillars, I think they're, they're deeply, deeply connected. Awesome. I want to remind yes. our listeners and you, the listener out there, that you're listening to a special podcast. It's what we've told you we're going to bring you it's the strange catholics lenten special where we bring you those major catholic influences that are creating content out there so with us today is clem harold and clem of steubenville i have a question for you uh that's i think what we're going to call you clem of steubenville <laughs> right now but 
I, I looked at your bio and looked at what you took in school and three majors and wow, a lot of heady stuff. I can I can read it and hear it in your writing, which I thought was very, very deep and profound. And to be honest, I could understand it too. So it was a little scary for me. It must be that good St. John's, Minnesota Catholic <laughs> graduate education. Shout out to all those great professors out there. But just can you talk a little bit about that formation process through that major educational undertaking and how did you time management all those majors and sprinkle in German at the same time, Clem? <laughs> yeah, no, that, uh, thank you. Um, yeah, I, you know, I was, I've just been phenomenally blessed to be able to receive uh, <laughs> such a good education at Franciscan. And uh, yeah, I came to the States four and a half years ago to begin at Franciscan. And that, to me, it would even arrive here was an enormous blessing because it, it didn't look like it would happen. I really craved this kind of Catholic formation. There's nothing like this in, in the UK. Uh, and yet it looked like finances, it just wouldn't be possible. And really, uh, you know, at the, at the 11th hour, things really came together. They offered me a scholarship package uh, and, and just grace really worked to make it possible. And so for me, arriving at Franciscan is like, I'm here in Steubenville. You know, this is like the the center of Catholic life, I, I'm not going to waste a moment. And so that was really the, the the attitude I took going into college is I'm just going to dive into this. I'm really going to take advantage of everything. And I tried to do that. So I, you know, first and foremost with academics. Um, I, yeah, I think they got everything on there. But, uh, I was, you know, I was part of the, um, the honors program as well, the, you know, the great books program. And then also extracurriculars was important for me is is getting involved in student government, you know, setting up clubs and being involved in, in different initiatives on campus. Uh, and again, it, it, for me, it's, um, yeah, I, I think part of it is uh, I've always felt that as Christians, we are called to strive for excellence. And and that doesn't mean everyone should be a triple major. I, I mean, that would be probably a terrible world to live in. But I, I do think uh, we all in our own ways, you know, with the, the gifts that we've been given, if we had to we have to strive you know when jesus says be perfect as you have any father is perfect that it's like you know that, that we have to strive to to be uh the best you know that we can be and that's the approach i try to take um with these different things and so i was very blessed i sort of began with a double major and then ended up just adding another major and then added the minor and i've always uh, <laughs> i've <laughs> i sort of figured i could fit it in so i, I did but uh, I've always smart guy like you, huh? <laughs> yeah, just well, throw philosophy that. on top of that. No problem. <laughs> yes, I. Yeah, it, it's not as hard as it sounds, but I. Um, yeah, you you learn to say no. Well, to things. It's, <laughs> the we, one we of could the, speak about Aristotle on this with him. We could speak Plato <laughs> and Aristotle. We could go back to that, back to our beginning. He probably got <laughs> that all down, Phil. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he's got it a lot more down than. Our little surface mover. scratching that the we did. Yeah. Mover. There we go. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it, 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 yeah, I feel very blessed. Time management is that's still a work in progress. So don't don't uh, yeah don't take me as a model. I tend to do everything very last minute. And uh, I found I think about junior year, I found that I, I really work best under pressure, uh, which is good to know, but also makes for a very anxious lifestyle because uh, I usually a big paper or a big project, or even dare I say it, a book, I tend to leave, uh, <laughs> leave very late. But. We may have been there before. 
<laughs> we, we got that 12 page due tomorrow i'll get working on it now yeah exactly 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 once or once or twice we've been there only yeah. once or twice yeah just a couple few hundred times yeah exactly <laughs> Seek, striving after that imperishable crown that's right that's right it makes it way more fun and there's usually uh there's usually a mcdonald's or a taco bell run somewhere in that you know in the middle of the night uh as you're scrambling so caribou so <laughs> yeah caribou is a coffee shop in the area oh, that's local us. to like the Midwest. Right. It's kind of like Starbucks, oh, yeah. but Midwest based. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, that sounds, yeah, also necessary. Love it is. That. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. The unfortunate side of COVID is a lot of that stuff, your go to late night places have now kind of gone away. Yep. As have the parishioners at Mass. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's and been, yeah, it's been pretty devastating. Yeah. So in our parish, yeah, we've so. seen we're back up over pre-pandemic. Wow. Uh, numbers. So it's awesome. You, you know, it's yeah. it, but then at the parish I was at previously, I can't speak about today, but yeah, my daughter, go, she has lots of friends up back in the area. So she's back home. And I mean, it's it's light. We'll say that. Well, I appreciate seeing the hunger of the people coming back. We yes. talked about this during the pandemic since we've been doing this podcast for well, how long we've been doing it, Phil? A year? More than a year? Two years? I don't know. I can't Almost keep two. track anymore. Almost Nearly two years. years. Thank you for that. Uh, well, I mean, I've been here anyway. Most of the time. We discussed this during the pandemic, and I know I mentioned it, and I'm sure you guys mentioned it as well, that hunger that I had to receive the Eucharist and I, I didn't yes. really care what my local bishop said or anyone said that hey just watch it on TV and we'll be okay I just like that's not good enough yeah. I mean that just wasn't feeding that hunger yep you know even though getting you know getting back in into the church in ha, it, being involved in mass participating as a parishioner and receiving the Eucharist was so essential to my weekly nourishment of my spiritual life and my whole life that it was sorely missed. And I'm glad that we're back to that. Clem, do you have any questions for us or any final comments? Well, I mean, I'd love to know how the, how the show came about. I mean, this is a, it's a, it's an unusual thing to start during a worldwide pandemic. So, but you guys seem to be uh, having a great time. Well, we were all in formation Always. together. So for the permanent diaconate, so Deacon Terry, myself and Bob, okay. Bob is still kind of in formation. We could say that. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, he's in formation still. Uh, Deacon Terry was ordained during the pandemic. I was ordained in 2019. So, um, you know, we we went kind of towards the end there. We kind of splintered off our own ways. Bob got called uh, to the service of the country. So his formation was interrupted and we thank him for his service um and exactly so that's kind of why we have this relationship and we always i mean i wanted to start a podcast back in 2014 2015 and then i would talk about it and we would never do anything and we would talk about it and then bob and i and uh, the three of us we would just kind of spit it you know throw it around and then i was like bob's like well why don't we just do it and so we did. That's awesome. <laughs> the yeah, so the nice, so the nice thing about it was 
Phil is a tech genius. So that was the biggest hurdle for us that he is the, the tech genius, you know, Terry's got a history in radio and got a lot of great ideas. I had all these ideas moving around my head as, as well as Phil did, but Phil can handle the tech side. And we basically just kind of said, well, okay, we either just need to do it or we're never going to do it. Yes. And so we did it. And it's not always been easy. There's been times where life gets in the way because it's not our A job, right? We're not making money. We're, we just have something to say and, and, and opinions to give and, and show our faith and our, our brotherly love for each other and all this other stuff that we talk about with the church and our love for the church. And we express that through this podcast. Uh, but, you know, sometimes other things get in the way. So it's been able to work out and I'm, I'm shocked that we're almost at two years, actually. <laughs> Praise God. Grace of God. So, Amen. Yeah. Amen. Praise God. It's definitely the work of the Holy Spirit. I can say that for sure. Yeah. Because to be honest with you, when we started, I thought, oh, oh, we'll do this for a few months. And then, you know, it'll probably just kind of maybe fade away. Sure. And, you know, here we are. At, how many episodes have we done now? About 68. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I never thought that what seven is it seven years later probably? It'll be seven years this yeah. spring when I first yep. met these guys in a restaurant that doesn't even exist anymore. No, it's so gone. I closed that one <laughs> in St. Cloud, Minnesota. That and we got our box of books, right? We got our box. Here's a bunch of books to take with you to start your formation process before we started. Uh, school at St. John's, I never thought Phil was like the quietest guy in the face of the earth. I thought there was no way I was ever going to communicate with him. And then, you know, Terry and I got along great right away. And then Phil and I, I mean, it was just interesting how we've just developed this, really this brotherhood, like, you know, like we are truly linked at the hip as brothers and so on. And it's just been a wonderful blessing for all of our families. That's, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. That is a true Christian friendship is an absolute wonderful blessing. And I'm, I'm 23 years old and I, I feel like I've already been privileged to experience little bits of that in my life. And it is friendship is just uh, it's amazing. And the bond that you get from having brotherhood and sisterhood in Christ is is irreplaceable. So it, that's really beautiful that you guys have that. It's, it's a real gift. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. So, Clem, I guess I have one last question for you, and that is, uh, what's next for you? Where do you go from here? I mean, are you looking at at maybe the possibility of ordination someday? Is mm-hmm. is that not on the table? You know, what are your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, I'm actually a bit of a crossroads right now. I I'm not a U.S. citizen, and so I, I have to make some decisions and. Uh, my friends like to tease me because the easiest way for me to stay long term would be to marry an American woman. And so <laughs> there I, I have several people working on the case, but without much luck. Um, it turns out once you get to know me, I'm quite a difficult, uh, difficult guy to sell. But it's um, so failing that, uh, you know, longer term, I, uh, I, I would say I, I'm still trying to figure out vocational. I, I'm certainly for a long time I've been trying to discern of, you know, calling to the priesthood, and, and I'm not sure is, is the is the long and short of it. Uh, trying to be open, which I always find is is easy to say that I'm open, and then when it comes down to it, 
I'm not so sure. So I'm still trying to work on that. But I, I would say in the meantime, uh, I've been accepted to study theology for a master's at Notre Dame, uh, which is certainly no Franciscan. And so there, there's some some concerns there, but it's also a very, very top class education. And so I think it's a case of you go there and you find the right people. Uh, but that's that's a potential next step. Still figuring that out. And if not that, then uh, just hopefully continue to work for the St. Paul Center potentially going home to England for a bit uh, to sort of reconnect with family. So long term, uh, whatever the girl wants me to do, but I, hopefully something I enjoy academics, I enjoy writing. And so, you know, God willing, something in, in that world. But uh, your, your guess is probably as good as mine, which is exciting and also terrifying. So, yeah. I never I thought it. I would be, I never thought I'd be saying this. I mean, nor from this perspective, Notre Dame is such a first-class education. I know um, some, I have a friend of mine who did graduate studies there in theology. Yes. Uh, and now she lives in Michigan. And then we, us three, know a professor who attended Notre Dame and who teaches there in the summer, who also okay. teaches at St. John's in Minnesota. So, um, and she's an outstanding professor. So. It's a great education there in Notre Dame. Yeah, that's encouraging. Yeah. So just reminding everyone, the book is yeah, Journey Through Lent, Reflections on the Daily Mass Readings from Clement Harold. We thank him again. He's from a uh, junior fellow at the St. Paul Center. And so thank you so much for your time, Clem. And we really appreciate it. We hope you have many blessings and we'll continue to lift you up in prayer as well as during this time of discernment. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thanks thank you, Clem. Appreciate it. And make sure to tell Scott what a great time that you had, and he absolutely needs to come on to our podcast. Yes, yeah, that's right. We need we're trying I will to do that. we need more guests for this forty days of letting guests on Strange Catholics podcast. Thank you. All right, we'll do. God bless you guys. Thank you. God bless you. you. God bless you. Have a good evening. Thank you for listening to this episode of Strange Catholics. We hope that you enjoyed the conversation and it helps you dive into a deeper reflection and union with our Lord Jesus Christ. If you'd like to leave some feedback, please go to anchor.fm forward slash strange Catholics to leave a voice message, or you may also send us an email at strangecatholicspod at gmail.com. Links will be in the description. Please share this podcast and this episode with at least one person. This will help get the word out and get more people to join into the conversation. Please subscribe to this podcast and leave a review on iTunes or wherever you are listening to us. This really helps the podcast get traction and help even more people discover the peace, love, and mercy that our Lord offers and is longing to offer each and every one of us. Thank you again for listening. Have a glorious day. And may God bless you.